welcome to the Redeemer Students Podcast. My name is JT Stead, and I'm your host. I'm also the student and outreach pastor here at Redeemer Church. And what you're about to listen to is our keynote speaker for the Young Adults Conference back in March. The theme of our conference was on the glory of God, sola deo gloria. And Pastor John Dirks opened up the conference with an amazing sermon. It was the perfect kickoff to elevate our hearts, our minds, and our worship um, upwards to see God for who He is in all of His glory and how that impacts us and changes us in how we live our life. I know that you will be encouraged by this sermon as I was, and so I'm super thankful that you are listening, and I hope that you enjoy it. Thank you. Well, um, isn't that great? I mean, I love being caught up in worship like that. I mean, it really doesn't matter what people think at that moment, right? When you're so caught up in how awesome God is, who cares? Lift up your hands, right? I mean, let's get a little bit excited about the things we're, we're uh, singing about. And that's, you know, in the presence of Almighty God and His glory, you will not be, you will not, you will not be thinking about you. You won't. I got to say, even before I get started, it's such a privilege to do this tonight. I'm glad that I was asked by my son and JT to uh, give the general session. Can we call it a general session? It's a big event here. Um, Because I love what God's doing in your midst. I do. And we get the blessing of that when I see the, um, you know, the chairs just filled up. First service, second service, third service. I mean, it all comes right here. And I got to tell you, there's so many people that talk to me and say, wow, something's really going on in the youth ministry. And we just love to be a part of this church. And all they, they call it the young people. You guys are the young people. And I'm, that you are just fired up for God. And may God just stir up that flame in you. And that may he send so many of you throughout this land to light a fire wherever you go and bless the churches and the ministries wherever God sends you. And may some of you think back to this moment where he just transformed you, just lit you up. So before we get started, I I do have a a little uh, test for you. You like tests? Okay, you're, um, you're actually wearing this good shirt here. And I want to test you on some of the Roman numerals that, um, that actually signify numbers, right? Okay, because you've got M-M-X-X-I. What's the X stand for? Uh, and the I? Ah, uh, you got V? Man, you guys are good. How about M? 1,000. How about L? You ever seen an L? 50. How about a C? 100. How about a D? 500. So if I were to go like this, if I were to arrange it, C, D, L, what would that be? C, D, L, what would it be? Okay, when you go, when you do... When you do like a V and you put the one on the left-hand side, what is it? What is it? A four. So if you put a C, D, what is that? 400. 
and L would be 50, so it's 450. Okay. Just a, just a little bit, you know, you can impress people that you know these things. So when you say sola delo gloria, Luke was talking about it just at the beginning. Glory be to God alone. Glory be to God alone. It's the signified that the endeavor of the Christian, whatever he sets out to do or she sets out to do, should be motivated by giving glory to God. Your grades in school, your athletic ability, your academic achievements, your future goals should all be to make him look great. It should all be to the glory of God. You want people to be amazed at God, not you. That's what it means, Solidea Gloria. In fact, um, anyone know who um, Johann Sebastian Bach is? Okay, he's a musician, composer, and Handel, Frederick Handel. They wrote pieces of music, and they signed their original documents, their original pieces of music, either with the words Solidea Gloria or SDG. In fact, I've got a little, yeah, you see that over here? I'm going to have to, we, we dropped the Gloria. Sorry about that. That's Sola, Deo, you see that? And Gloria is underneath, but it got cut off. And um, some people have the motto, Sola Deo Gloria has their motto. In fact, it was used for a company of leather traders in the 15th century, and they were called the Worshipful Company of Leather Sellers. How would you like that for a title? The Worshipful Sellers of leather, or worshipful company of leather sellers, and here's their, here's their uh, coat of arms, soli deo honoret, which would be honor and glory. Um, so there you have it. And sometimes you find athletes after they've won the championship, they give glory to God. They say something like, "I just want to thank," and they thank the Lord. So I've entitled this message, "Show Me." your glory. Show me your glory. It's a quote from the Bible. Anyone know who said it and where it's found? Anyone? I'm testing you. Yeah. It's Moses. Where is it? Exodus 33. You're really close, right next door. Moses, during a time when he's up on the Mount Zion, and he's you know, getting the tablets of stone, right? He's seeing the glory of God. What's going on down at the camp? They're having a wild party. They're creating this golden idol and worshiping it as if it's God himself. And the Lord said, Moses, I'm not going to go with you now. He was, the Lord was upset at them, said, I'm not going into the promised land with you. I will send an angel and you can go there. And here's what Moses said in Exodus 33, 15. If you don't go with us, I don't want to go. And they're in the desert, okay? I think I would opt for a bath, hot bath and a nice house and a, in the promised land. But he said, I don't even want to go if you're not going with us. And so the Lord agreed to go with them, but Moses didn't let up. He said there in Exodus 33, 18, show me your glory. I want to see more. I want to see more. And I'm really glad that you came tonight. And maybe some of you are like, you were kind of hesitant to hear a message on the glory of God. And maybe you said to yourself, why didn't Luke and JT come up with something more practical than the, because uh, I don't even, I don't even get what a passion for the glory of God even means. It, it's lost on me. 
Well, maybe you say, just give me a command to obey. But a passion for the glory of God, that doesn't mean anything to me. But if Christianity is simply a set of commands to obey, it's a doctrine or truths to understand, these verses that I'm about to read make no sense. Psalm 66, 1 and 2. Shout joyfully to God. All the earth sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your works. That makes no sense if all it is is obedience to the Lord. We could obey without praise. But sacrificial obedience is part of what it means to be a Christian, but it's not the whole. And Jesus reminds us of that in that story of Mary and Martha. You know, Martha's running around. She's doing and, and obeying and, and helping. And, and Mary's just sitting right at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus said, Martha, stop and come and join us because Mary has chosen the better part. She's chosen the better part. He calls us to be worshipers, not just servants. But we, like Martha, would rather do something for God, solve a theological problem rather than simply adore the Lord of glory. And this has a chilling effect on our hearts. So my aim tonight is to help you understand why Moses would have a passion to see God's glory. And if I succeed, it's because the Holy Spirit has shown up tonight. So I pray that, Lord, I just ask God that you would come and open up these truths. There's a lot here, but Father, I pray that it would move us to look differently and, and think differently about what we're to be about, the glory of you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's my first point. God, it starts with God, God radiates glory. God radiates glory, I'm sorry, glory radiates from God. Glory radiates from God. Now, when we talk about glory, anyone know what we mean by glory? It's not one of those words we use a lot. Glory has to do with someone's radiance, their renown, their wealth, their attractiveness. That's their glory. So when people, when, when Time Magazine publishes the 100 most influential people, they're publishing the 100 most glorious people. And when People Magazine publishes these are the most attractive people, they're basically saying these are the most glorious people because that's how the Bible uses that word, glorious. We're talking about their glory, what makes them amazing. And when we speak about God's glory, we're talking about his excellence. We're talking about his radiance. We're talking about his tr attractiveness. Thomas Watson a Puritan called it the sparkle of God's deity. It's the, it's the wow factor. When you come to the Grand Canyon, you just look over and you're like, ah. Oh. That's what it means. It's unbelievable. Do I have it? Oh, wow. See, we have it. It's like, whoa, not quite yet. Oh, not quite yet. We're, we're getting there. But th that was a good moment, too. That was a good moment. It's the wow factor. It's like no one and nothing created is more glorious than God. And he creates to radiate his glory. 
So he's glorious, and now everything he does, he wants to show off that glory. I'll show you. Colossians 1.16. For by him all things were created, both in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones and dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created by him and for him. And the passage that um, my wife is going to use, Romans 11.36. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. So everything he does is to radiate his glory. Let me just show you. He created humans. Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. He put his image in us so that we would radiate that glory, that image to the world. When he saved his people out of Exodus, it was the moving of his compassion, but we see something else too. Exodus 4, verse 4, it says, God saying, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them and I will get glory over Pharaoh and his host. You know what God is trying to say there? I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart so that I can... I can bring another plague and another awesome display of my power in Egypt so they can see it, one right after the the other. In verse 18, he says the same thing. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I've gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Fast forward to the, remember the people of Israel, they didn't obey. They They got carted off into exile in Babylon and Assyria. And even there, in Isaiah 48, verse 9, it says, for my sake, God's sake, I defer my anger. I'm not going to judge you. Um, I'm not going to go over the top with my judgment. I'm going to hold back. But it's for the sake of my name, for the sake of my praise, I'll restrain it from you. That I may not cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not like silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction for my own sake. And he says it again. For my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will give to no other. He's saving and holding back so that his glory might be seen. Even in the second coming, when... When Christ comes back, he's going to judge and he's going to reward. Listen to what it says in uh, 2 Thessalonians 1.9. They shall suffer the punishment of eternal destruction and exclusion from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. So glorious is the reward for Christians. They're excluded from the glory of his might when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at by all who have believed. Like glory radiates from God as heat and light radiate from the sun. Everything he does, he does to display his glory. Even you are made to reflect his glory, but it was lost in the garden, Garden of Eden. What was lost in the garden? Our taste for God's glory, our desire for God's glory was lost. That's what it says in Romans 3.23. 
What does Romans 3.23 say? Anybody? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What that doesn't mean is we can't be as glorious as God. Because even if we didn't sin, we still wouldn't be as glorious as God. Well, what does it mean to fall short of the glory of God? It means now in our sin, we're attracted to worthless things now. And shrug our shoulders at great things, the glory of God. We've lost our taste for the glory of God. Just think about what your pagan friends are fired up about. The glory of sex, the glory of inebriation, the glory of human achievement. And if they're going to see again, a miracle has to take place. Glory radiates from God. Point number two, glory draws you. We are glory seekers. We're worshipers. We're made that way. We want to see glory. That's why we go to a movie. That's why we go to a concert. We want to see glory. That's why we go to the rim of the, not yet, but that's why we go to the rim of the the Grand Canyon because we want to see glory. We just love when our mouths drop and we're like, whoa, that's incredible. That's why we go to a sporting event. We are made to experience glory and to see glory, but our sin has blinded us. You can't see true glory. You just can't. We're attracted to lesser things. Now, take the Grand Canyon. Let's see the Grand Canyon again. It would be like, you know, if, if we were on the rim of the Grand Canyon and I dug this deep hole, I'm digging away, I'm digging away, I'm digging away, and then I call all you over, you got to see this big hole that I dug. But my back is turned to the Grand Canyon. And we're like, oh, that's amazing, that hole you, you just dug. <laughs> that's what it's like. We're amazed at lesser worthless things when the glory of God is right there. Or it's like getting worked up about the lighting of a candle when there's such a thing as the sun. You know, when the sun streams through trees and just, just is such a beautiful rays of stream, or, you know, when a cloud, when there's a storm and then the sun breaks through certain places, it's just incredible. But we're worked up about a little candle in our hands when the glory of God is being on display. That's what it's like. Because of our sin, we're not attenuated or attuned to the glory of God. We get wild about silly things. But God so loved the world that he sent his son. And his son, Hebrews 1, 3 says, he is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. I mean, if you try, just think about this. You can't even stare at the sun. You can't. It's too bright. Yet Christ is the Lord of glory. He's the Lord of the sun. And if the sun is too bright, what is Christ like? That's the glory we're talking about. And God sent his son into the world to save us, but the world did not receive him. Why? Because they were blinded by their sin. They could not see Christ's glory. Now, Jonathan Edwards, most of you have heard that name maybe in history class. 
He was in the 1700s. He was a preacher, theologian. He said in his book, Religious Affections, he said, the natural man, someone who's not a Christian, the natural man discerns nothing of it, the glory, any more than a man without sense of tasting can conceive of a sweet taste of honey. Or a man without a sense of hearing can conceive of a melody of a tune. Or a man born blind can have a notion of the beauty of a rainbow. So how does anyone see the glory of God? By a miracle. It's a miracle of God through the Holy Spirit. It will give you eyes to see true glory. Glory that eclipses everything else because it's a superior glory. You know, when I play basketball and, and I've been around a JT and I've played basketball with him, you know, I can be amazed at his basketball talent because he's better than me. And I, I could think that he's one of the best basketball players there are, there are alive. But if I were to see LeBron and then Steph Curry play in our gym, um, I probably would have a different opinion of JT. <laughs> and what used to be amazing would seem pathetic at the sight of, <laughs> sorry, Jay, of better glory, of better glory. Second Corinthians 4, 6, for God who said in creation, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That is the miracle of new birth. You are given eyes to see and a taste that desires something greater than your own glory. That's what happens. God recreates in our hearts. When you become a Christian, you're given new eyes, a new heart that desires greater glory. And you'll say, just like Moses, show me your glory. Glory radiates from God. It'll draw, glory draws you. I love this one. Number three, glory changes you. Glory changes you. The glory that you consistently look at and admire will change you into its image. Whatever you adore, you become. This is why the glories that you look at matter a great deal. You can know things about this book. Some of you are pretty good at theology, but whatever you desire the most, you're going to become. Whatever you admire. I remember thinking that Keith Green, when I was in high school, was the most amazing singer-songwriter and because I thought so, I styled my piano playing after him. Now, why did I do that? Because you mimic what you most love. Glory changes you. Some of you might know um, Mike Spielman. Some of you might, maybe. Mike Spielman is the director of Abort 73. It's probably one of the best uh, sites on, uh, to educate you on abortion. And uh, it's his ministry. When he was in high school in California, he was in my discipleship group. And uh, one of his heroes, his only hero, 
was Michael Jordan. And I remember watching the Bulls play the Lakers. And we were watching, and all of a sudden, Michael goes up right in the key. He's going up like this. It's like he held forever in the air, as he does. And then he switches to this hand and puts it up. You've probably seen it in a commercial. We saw it live. And we ran outside at halftime to try to recreate it. It was so amazing. It's like, did you see that? We went out, we, we were trying to, you know, we couldn't hold as, as long as, as, as Michael Jordan. Also, when a, when a young girl admires Taylor Swift, sometimes what it does, it draws you to dress like her or fashion your hair like her or smile like her. Because when you're amazed or admire somebody, you start to become that person. So what draws you? What do you love? What do you admire? What draws your attention? Henry Skugel, okay, he's an old dude in history, a Puritan. In his book, The Life of God and the Soul of Man, he says this phrase, the worth and excellency of a soul is to be measured by the object of its love. Let me say it again, and then I'll explain it. The worth and excellency of a soul is to be measured by the object of its love. What he means by it is, you are what you love and admire. So if you love, your love is directed toward the glory of God, your soul is excellent. Whatever you love the most, whatever glory has captured your attention is conforming you into its image. There's a lot of things that captivate people today. Pornography. Keeps pulling you back. You're going to become like that. Your soul is going to be that worthless if that's what it's drawn to constantly. Because you become what you admire and what you love most. Or if it's fashion and beauty on your phone, swiping page after page after page after page. How do you do your eyelashes? Page after page. How do you do your makeup? Page after page. And, and if you're constantly amazed by that, your soul will be shallow, worthless. Money, possessions, purchasing, Friends, you know, talking about idols, Psalm 115, verse 6 says, They have ears, but they do not hear. Noses, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not feel. Feet, but they do not walk. They do not make a sound in their throat. Those who, listen to this, those who make them, make idols, become like them. So do all who trust in them. Talking about Christ, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree to the other. So if we're beholding Christ, it changes us into his image. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? Do you see how glory changes us? 
when we are captivated by God's glory, and when our worship, we worship his greatness, we will be changing into his likeness. Glory changes us. It's the engine that drives everything. If you take your eyes off the glory of God and of Christ in the scriptures, the power to change is nearly gone. That's how important it is. You may be kept by God, but you will not not be being transformed in the image of Christ if you take your eyes off of it. Glory radiates from God. It draws you. It changes you. And finally, it should direct you. It should direct you. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all for the glory of God. Paul is is telling the Corinthians here that their lives belong to God, and therefore, they're not governed by what pleases them, by what pleases God, what honors him the most, what glorifies him. That should motivate every decision. So here's the question. How do you glorify someone else? Well, what does it mean for us to do something for the glory of another. Well, it shouldn't be too hard because we know how to present ourselves as glorious as we possibly can. It means that doing everything to the glory of God simply means that we consider in every word or action how to present God in the best light through you. To show how glorious he is, to be the best advertisement for God In this world, that's what it means to glorify God. You want to be the best advertisement for God for the people around you. They ought to say, man, God must be awesome. Because the way that you display God draws me to God. That's what it means to glorify God. You know, a business person knows how to promote. So if you have a landscaping business, hello, Jess, a landscaping business you would want to make sure that your landscaping around your house is pretty good to show off your landscaping business. And if you have a sign company, you would want to make sure the sign outside your business is attractive to show off the glory of your sign business. We are to live and speak in a way that shows off the greatness of God, shows how captivated we are by God. Now, this is where things can go awry in the church. It can go badly wrong. It can turn deadly wrong. Because it can't be just an outward display. If it's an outward display and there's nothing here driving us, we call that hypocrisy. We're just living to show something out here, but the reality of it doesn't go in. Living for the glory of God must address the core of your Heart, And let me end here because this is where it drives deeper and then we'll take a break and talk about it. Everything you do, even down to whether you eat or drink, are to be motivated by the worship of God in his glory. To glorify him means to honor him from the heart. So let me bring it down to practical. Why would you want to be around people when it's emotionally hard to do. Some of you don't like crowds. Some of you, it's emotionally taxing on you. You'd rather stay home. Why would you want to serve when there's people who can serve in that role better than you? Because doing it glorifies 
God. And why should you love a person who has hurt you countless times and broke your trust? Why should you let go of bitterness and anger? Because it glorifies God for you to do that. You see, it may never change the outcome for you to let the bitterness go and begin to love again, but if it glorifies God, you do it. If doing this, whatever it is, puts a smile on God's face, shows how valuable God is to me, I will do it. Even if it's hard to do. Even if it gets me out of my comfort. I will do it because I want to glorify God. And why should you work hard in school when it seems like your best efforts aren't getting the grades to go up? And it's not recognizable by the teacher. Why would you do that? Because it glorifies God. You do it all for the glory of God. For his approval, not just your teacher, not just your friends. And why should you give to a church when you've been burned in the past? You've seen the misuse of funds. And why should you submit to any church leader when you're not sure you can trust them anymore? Because submission to God-given authority glorifies God. That's why. Not because they're perfect people. And why should you be honest at work when everyone else cheats in the company and lies or cheats at school? Why should you care? Because it glorifies God to tell the truth. And why should you care about dealing with your sinful thoughts and emotions and motivations when no one sees it and it doesn't hurt anybody? Because you serve an all-seeing God. And you want to glorify Him. That's why. Really, it's the base of all motivation for Christian living. Because there are a lot of times, you're alone. No one will ever know, why would I care about doing my very best and giving excellence in this thing? Or uh, Why would I do it? Because you want to glorify God. Show me your glory. My prayer is that God would raise up an army of people who refuse to settle for anything less than the glory of God. Lord, you are awesome and you are glorious and no one compares. So for us to show off, for us to puff our chests out and beat our chests and think we're proud, we're great, is a joke. Our best is to show you off. That will bring the greatest satisfaction to everything in life. So I pray that you would help us glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.